Hello and welcome to your August Investor Update. I'm Annabelle Williams, Personal Finance Specialist at Nutmeg, and I'm joined today by our Chief Investment Officer, James McManus. Hi James. Hi Annabelle. After a tough year so far for risk assets, July proved to be a better month for markets. What's been behind this rebound? Indeed, yes, there has been a broad-based rally in stock markets to begin the second half of the year, though that must be tempered by more mixed economic news as the month unfolded. Now, arguably the most important macro data of the month saw US gross domestic product, or GDP, fall by 0.9% on an annualised basis for the second quarter of 2022. That follows a 1.6% decline in the first three months of the year. Now, two consecutive quarters of decline in GDP growth meets the common test of a technical recession in UK terms, but not in the US where the definition is broader and considers a wider range of economic metrics. Now, it's worth noting that this is just the preliminary reading, but it still reflects an unexpectedly weaker US economy last quarter, if only a shallow dip into negative growth. Now, despite that late news in the month, US equities and global equities more broadly climbed during July. Uh, over the course of the month, the S&P 500 was actually up by just over 9%, uh, while in the UK, the FTSE 100 climbed about 3.7%. So what's behind that market optimism? Well, second quarter earnings season has started strongly for one, but also in a paradoxical way, the more mixed data on the US economy sponsored a belief that central banks, such as the US Federal Reserve, We'll have to be more cautious in raising interest rates in fear of choking off growth any further. Now, rising inflation is still a huge concern, of course, though a slowing in the pace of economic growth should help dampen some price rises. But Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's July comment that it will likely become appropriate to slow the pace of increases in interest rate uh, really just reflects the, the need of the central bank to tackle inflation whilst managing the disruption to growth. So are we nearing the end of the interest rate hike cycle in the US? Well, we think it's much too early to say that, and markets still expect a further four interest rate hikes in the United States this year. And, and that's despite the Fed and other central banks having seemingly front-loaded their rate hiking cycles, given the energy-led acceleration that we've seen in inflation so far this year. Now, US interest rates were increased again by 0.75% in late July, which aside from the previous month is a size of increase we haven't seen since 1994. But after starting 2022 near zero, US interest rates are now set at 2.5%. And that's much closer to what the central bank believes is the neutral status, the level of interest rates that neither fuels nor restrains economic growth. And that's a really important milestone. But it's worth noting also that the European Central Bank raised interest rates in July for the first time in 11 years, and the Bank of England acted in early August to increase interest rates by 0.5%, the largest increase in 27 years, as it once again increased inflation expectations for later this year. So in the current environment, central banks still have much work to do, and inflation is going to remain public enemy number one for policymakers. There's been lots of talk about recession in the US, but also now in the UK after the Bank of England's latest warning. So where exactly do we stand today? Well, taking the US first, whether or not the economy is in recession depends on whether you see the economic glass as half full or 
half empty. The ultimate decision comes down to what's called the Business Cycle Dating Committee of the National Bureau of Economic Research. And they define an economic recession uh, not just by looking at two quarters of, of negative GDP growth, but by looking at a range of metrics, specifically a significant decline in economic activity that lasts a few months or more across a range of different economic metrics, things such as real GDP, real income, employment, industrial production, uh, and metrics such as retail sales. Well, are we seeing those things? Well, GDP has seen two negative quarters of growth in the US, albeit relatively shallow dips when compared to other downturns. But other data actually paints a brighter picture. The labor market remains strong with payrolls hitting a, a record high just last week. And both manufacturing and services sectors appear to be in expansion and industrial production remains at relatively healthy levels. On the consumption side, when we look at uh, metrics such as retail sales, they appear to be slowing but still holding up, supported by those strong household balance sheets. But of course, the effect of inflation is being felt in real incomes despite elevated wages growth, and the effect of higher interest rates is beginning to be seen in sectors such as housing, where activity significantly cooled after that COVID-induced boom. Using history as a guide, two quarters of negative growth is certainly not a good omen, but every downturn is different, and the strength of the US jobs market certainly stands out on this occasion. If the US economy is an official recession, we'll probably not know for sure for some time yet. And the UK? Well, in terms of the UK, the economy is forecast to shrink in the last three months of this year and keep shrinking actually until the end of 2023, according to the Bank of England's most recent update. And that's largely a result of significant increases in energy prices since its May forecast. Now, UK households are already facing a shock in terms of real incomes, uh, despite actually a healthy level of wages growth, as inflation has reduced all of our household buying power. But the Bank of England is clear that in, in its expectation that household incomes after the effect of tax and inflation are really going to fall sharply in 2022 and 2023 as a result of this latest rise in energy prices. And that's led the bank to also downgrade its broader growth expectations for the economy by around 2.75% by the end of 2024. It's worth noting, though, that in their baseline forecast, while growth turns negative for an extended period of time, the Bank of England are actually expecting a relatively shallow recession compared to past downturns. So peak to trough decline in GDP of around 2.25% if, if energy prices remain at current levels, or around 1.5% if energy prices follow the current path of energy futures. Now that compares to a decline of over 20% during the pandemic and of over 5% in the financial crisis. That of course is a very limited silver lining to households and businesses that are gonna to continue to face a protracted period of rising costs and uncertainty. But every recession is different, and as currently forecast, this doesn't resemble the severe downturns of 2008 or 2020. We've also seen the kickoff of the second quarter earnings season. With around four-fifths of companies having reported, what's been your take on the results we've seen so far? From what we've seen so far, the numbers coming out are largely above expectations in the all-important US stock market. As it has for households, it's been a challenging period for companies across economic sectors with shifts in prices of materials, increased wages and, and energy costs. But the results we've seen so far are quite encouraging with earnings of around 4% better uh, than expected and earnings growth of around 9% in the S&P 500. Now a standout performer has been the energy sector and without energy stocks, the S&P index would have delivered uh, slightly negative earnings growth in aggregate. But that's still about 3.5% better than analysts' expectations. 
In Europe, it's a similar story with energy and commodity related uh, companies leading the way, uh, with earnings coming in there around 9% better than expectations in aggregate for the European market. So James, did you make any changes to the portfolios during the month? Well, in July, we rebalanced our equity exposure to move to a neutral allocation across our portfolios. And as we previously discussed, the balance of risks has been evolving since the start of the year. But we think this reduction is prudent given the current economic uncertainty in the face of continued inflation surprises, the continuation of the conflict in Ukraine, and the pressure all of that applies on economic activity and corporate earnings in the remainder of 2022. In our higher risk portfolios, we also used the most recent pullback in energy prices to allocate further to equities in the energy sector, which we think will continue to fare well given the supply constraints that are being caused by the conflict in Ukraine. Now, energy companies are generating significant levels of free cash flow at current energy prices, and we think there's room for both continued buybacks and also in continued increases in, in dividends. And we did that by halving our existing holding in US financial companies, given that bond yields had already risen quite far in 2022. Now, you can read much more about those changes and about our current portfolio positioning in a blog that we published on the Nutmeganomics section of our website called How We've Rebounded Portfolios for the Months Ahead. Thank you for your insight, James. Thanks, Annabelle. Thank you for joining us. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss in next month's Investor Update, you can contact us via email or on our social media channels. We look forward to seeing you next month. More information about this update is available in the description. As with all investing, your capital is at risk. The value of your portfolio with Nutmeg can go down as well as up, and you may get back less than you invest. Past or future performance indicators are not a reliable indicator of future performance.